brave and ready for trouble. Who are you? Who are you? So unbelievably humble. Who are you? Who's the guy who rolls the dice? Who is your favorite fearless hero? It's the Review Do Podcast. I'm DJ. I'm Evan. And this is the podcast where we typically take a second look at our or your favorite movies. Uh, and if you'd like to make a request, hit that Kofi up at Kofi.com slash rap critic. And thank you today to Arthur B for his request for Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. That's right. Now, I, I think I've seen the first movie before and I remember enjoying it, but is this, this second movie, I'm not sure if it's made by the exact same, like, director or whatever. Is this the second movie? I don't even know. Yeah, how there was a first movies. one because I remember. No, I knew there was a first one. I was like, isn't this the third or fourth? Yeah, I there's a TV so show. Yeah, yeah, Hold yeah. Hold on. Right. Puss in Boots. Like, this has been movies. the most unlikely thing to happen because this is a spinoff. Yeah, this is the third one because there was, Something called The Three Diablos. I thought that was like a kid's show or... Well, it might be the show. No, it's a it's a 13... 13 minutes, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a 13 like a minute short. There's also a TV show of Puss in Boots. Yeah. And then and that's not even touching all the like different Shrek movies and spinoffs and shows and everything. Right. Now, Puss in Boots was always like a cool character. He was the highlight of the second movie, you know, so it was kind of like a... Even if this franchise sucks, like, it's awesome that we're getting Antonio Banderas to, like, commit to being a, basically, Zorro, but as a cat. Like, he gets a second chance. He gets a second pass at Zorro, but as a cat. Who would have seen it? You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) but he does it so, like, the thing about it is, I can't remember how much I, like, how much I enjoyed the first movie, but this movie, like, it doesn't have the sequel. I just feel of like, oh, here's a sequel. Like it so feels like its own energy. And at the same time, what I find is interesting is that like, not only does it feel like it's its own movie with its like animation style and things like that. And you know, I do have my issues with it, but like, you know, at the same time, like it feels like its own energy. It feels like it's responding to what like Hollywood narratives at the time in films are. In a way that's really interesting, like, that it's actually doing something with, like, okay, the multiverse thing, we all know that's a thing, like, in modern movies, but wait, we all know fairy tales, and so this is actually doing something with that, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was like a thing of, like, huh, they're actually, like, playing this up, and... Especially with how the narrative unfolds where you're like, oh, it's just Puss in Boots trying to get the wish. He's fighting against death. And then it's like, wait, then it's Jack Horner. And wait, then it's also the three bears. And I like that like, Jack like, Horner has an inferiority complex about the fact that he was only in a nursery rhyme. Yeah, I like that. That like, he has that genre awareness of like where he play, comes from. The way they play with like genre convention and especially genre... John Mulaney, man, the way he flips the Jack Horner, like what could have been a just anybody villain in these movies where, of course, they're self-aware, sound like Andy Dick, and they're a jerk. You know what I'm saying? Like, but the way he act, like the jokes that he makes in this movie are so pinpoint onto like the jo- like the expectation of how these narratives typically go that it's like. Wow, I actually really like this. Like, there's one bit at the end that especially is endemic of how good his humor is, like, relative to what's happening in the movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, when they let, uh, like, actors or whatever riff in a movie, but it doesn't actually, like, play into the character or how the narrative of that character is unfolding. This movie really does that with the humor of John Mulaney's character when he gets the bits that he gets, like, joking on the fairy tales and this, that, and the third. So, like, that's just one thing off the bat that I was just like, 
ooh, wait a minute, this movie's this movie's worth cooking with some gas. Like, you know, it's legitimately I, funny. It's not we, just like a kid movie funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. Are we gonna are we gonna real quick talk about the ogre in the room? What? What? Just that, no, they're just like oh, the, Shrek. the Shrek. The fact yeah. that this is a spin-off yeah, yeah. of Shrek. I cannot a, a believe. A sequel to a spin-off of Shrek. <laughs> I cannot believe. So the original Shrek movie came I mean, out. My sister loved that movie in the 2000s. Dude. The original Shrek came out in 2001. That is oh, now wow. 23 years ago. Two decades. And here's over two decades, almost two and a half, almost two and a half decades. And it's like, okay, I'm in my 30s and I remember seeing it as a middle schooler in the theater because the moment, have we done any of the Shrek? I don't think I don't so. Think have... Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to make that Shrek request, that's unless, go back unless we've done it, again, as, uh, as, as any ongoing listeners know, we cannot remember no, what yeah, movies exactly. we've done and, and not and done. You know, someone's gonna, you know they're going to request Shrek 4. So just... um, but <laughs> I remember seeing that first Shrek movie in the theater when I was 12, and the moment when, spoiler for a 23-year-old movie, when Fiona's singing to the bird higher and higher and higher, and then the bird explodes, yeah, yeah. I laughed so hard that I was in pain <laughs> as a 12-year-old. And, I mean, man, and that's where it all started. That yeah. is where no, that Shrek movie... is now a universe. Right. Like, there's, I feel like there is as much Shrek as there is Marvel stuff. And, and like, it's so insane to think about because it's like, that that was supposed to be the ultimate, like, send-up of the previous generation of cartoons by Disney. Like, you guys are just doing these fairy tales and not really doing anything with it, so let's actually do something with it. And in fact, we're actually going to take it to the next dimension and, where it's CGI and now. It's like now. a like, weird meme with the kids. <laughs> Yeah. I will tell you, so I have to, like, quick, boring office guy anecdote. My uh, my after work game hour with my uh, remote worker co-workers, we do this game called Scribbled, which is kind of like Pictionary, and I had the clue Shrek, and what I drew was a donkey with a speech bubble and an onion, <laughs> and onion coming from an unseen speech bubble, and then the donkey... With tears and a question mark and stinky lines and a question mark. And my coworkers, who are all millennials, all got it immediately. <laughs> and I feel like that just tells you where what Shrek means. Yeah, to us. Yeah. And so now Puss in Boots, which is, yeah, a sequel of a sequel of a spinoff of a spinoff. Yeah, here, yeah. Here we are. And this cast incredible. I didn't look up the cast until just this moment. I'm like, wait a second. That was Harvey Guillen. I love Harvey Guillen. I didn't realize he was Perito. And uh, I'm going to hold off my bitching about the bears. <laughs> what? And What's it, your beef with the bears? No. Okay. Here's here's my specific complaint. I'm going to go ahead and just... I'm, this was the one like thought that was sticking in my head that was uh, annoying me is I'm so tired of hearing criminals with cockney accents in movies <laughs> i'm tired of it and if i wanted to be it's all, a kids movie they, they gotta do the conventions no, well, and, and it's, the, it's the cliche of it all if i wanted to be all like hi i might be like oh you know it's actually um problematic that you're uh, <laughs> automatically associating um lower socioeconomic classes with criminality but no it's just it's a cliche and it's annoying and the fact is like okay at least like Florence Pugh and Olivia Coleman, I don't know 
Papa Bear is this guy, Ray Winston. I don't really know who he is, but like, yeah, like Florence Pugh and Olivia Coleman are British, at least. But like Olivia Coleman, I actually just saw Wonka in theaters with my kid, and she's playing a bad guy in Wonka and has that same Cockney accent in that. <laughs> and then there's like in Sing, which I did we do Sing? Am I imagining? No, we hell did? no, we haven't done Sing. I thought we did Sing. Anyway, maybe I just watched that with my kid. Sing has the gorilla family who are all Cockney, even though they seem to live in the United States. <laughs> and how do you become a, a Cockney accented American crime syndicate? And I'm just, I'm just tired of it. It's just a cliche, and it's annoying. But that's all. Anyway, but Olivia Coleman's great, and Florence Pugh's great, and that yeah. was. I, and I'm sure people are going to be like, "That's a stupid thing to yeah, get like, mad about." Hater, hater, boo, boo, this man, hater, haters. But you know, whatever. <laughs> but no, this cast is incredible, and and I, also we, we're just enjoying the rest of the accents in the movie, especially Salma Hayek. And yeah, Antonio Salma Banderas. Hayek and Antonio Banderas are fantastic. Look, and casting and the way that they say Zorro Cat and Girl Zorro yeah, Cat, and the way they say puss in boots, because <laughs> like, Antonio says. Puss. And Salma Hayek says, Puss. Like, we're, in a way where it sounds like there's like an extra syllable in there yeah. somewhere. So it's like, it's one of those things where it's so perfect that these two are the main ones saying his name because most of the time, the saying just Puss, 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 <laughs> were, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like, I mean, uh, can I just you say, Puss, you need, just, sound, you need like, a life in there. The <laughs> fact that we have a whole franchise of children's movies with the word Puss <laughs> yeah. in the title. Because when I was, like, I remember when I was a kid, like, you couldn't say the word Puss or Pussy, like, yeah. without... I mean, well, that's, just, oh, that's another thing to talk about like, the, the the language that's used in this movie. That was a little surprising. Like, well, it's PG, right? Yeah, like, I know, but that just threw me off. Well, I was like, oh, you, know, you know, it's kind of a return to form because if we think about it, like, you uh, remember we were watching like North, and we were watching Road to El Dorado. Yeah, you know like saying? watching some PG rated movies from the nineties. They had a lot more. That is true. And now it feels like even PG. It's like, oh, we got to keep it because there's a lot more. Like, oh, can't have anything that might offend anybody. But there was so, like a point where they actually did curse where I went like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> but then they cut out some cursing and I was like, okay, that works a little better. It's like the sailor mouth. Oh, it's the word. But they didn't say it because they do it once at the beginning and then they do it in a way that I really like with the dog, Perito, where he's like cursing them out but kind of going like, oh, don't we all love this? Like, I yeah, Perito but- is basically what I feel like. What's his name from Frozen should have been Olaf. The, yeah, Olaf. The like but the guy genuinely cute yes, and also and knowing you think he's gonna be annoying. But then you go like, wait a minute, he's got a pretty good outlook on life and he's kind of sweet. Like yeah, yeah, and also knowing that he is he is uh, voiced by Harvey Guillen, I adore him. But also he has like the fact that he's called Harvey is because like this is in Wikipedia, like his birth name was Javier. Uh, wait, hold on. We saw, go he, down, go down. He's Nightwing. He's Nightwing. Whoa. Oh, that's awesome. <sighs> but yeah, I think I saw that his his birth name is Javier, and his teachers couldn't say his name, so he started going by Harvey. It's like, that's bullshit. Wow. Like, it's not that he didn't like his name, it's just that his teachers couldn't say it. And so I definitely don't want to say his name wrong when that's Look that whole thing. Yeah. Anyway, but he's adorable, and I love him, and the yes. fact that he played Perito makes Perito oh even God. more adorable. He's so good in this movie. Because Perito could have been really annoying, and yes, he's not. It runs he Because I, like, I wanted to like Olaf in the Frozen movie, but I remember watching the movie and being like, 
He's just not that funny. Mm-hmm. And that's been my problem with like Disney movies is that like they're so reining in the comedic characters that they don't really allow them to be funny people saying funny it, things. It also, I feel like, you know, part of what makes Perito not annoying is that it's almost like he's supposed to be kind of annoying. And because he's supposed to be it's kind of annoying, yeah. it's like there, there's a container for any potential annoyingness. Whereas with like Olaf, it's like, isn't he cute? You're supposed to right. think he's really cute and you're not supposed to find him annoying at all. And so you do find him annoying. Yeah. Disney's trying to thread the needle, but actually make him cute. But then this movie genuinely makes his character like affect how like. Also, you little know dogs I mean? are cute and mush- yeah, yeah, yeah. and snowmen are not cute. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That was just a harder uh, needle to thread. But so basically, the plot of the movie is Puss in Boots is like this, you know, daredevil rogue who's got nine lives. You know, the movie opens up with him like in what looks like this, like, you know, really nice house with all these people like, you know, reveling from the food that he's providing. It's like, oh, and, and you know, it's the song that's playing. Who's your favorite fearless hero? Which I thought got a little simple, like, was a little simple as the thing was going on. I, I was feel like, like is it, it was just almost, going to keep repeating this I part? feel like, like it was kind of supposed to be, like, you know, yeah. in the Lego movie, the everything is awesome. Well, but I felt and like it's that supposed was better to be, like, worded. dystopian, but then people, like, Yeah, like, I get what you're saying it. there. Like, that, but I felt it worked. This felt a little too Baby Shark do-do-do-do, where it's like, <laughs> you just have two parts repeating, where it's like, who is your favorite fearless hero? Who is your favorite? Like, it just repeats that. And then for the other part, it's like, I like I like it a little bit, but it feels like it goes on for a little too long with the, who does the da 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 You do, you do. Like, it just goes on. Like, there's a little bit of a clever part at the end where he goes like, Puss in Boots is never afraid. And he goes like, yes, you are, you are. I was like, oh, okay, that's a little bit of something. But, like, it just felt like a little just slightly undercooked for what it should have been. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I felt like I should have been tapping my toe. You know what I'm saying? But at yeah. the end, I was kind of like, I kind of remember what happens, but it feels like it's just that one part, you know? So by the time it gets to the end, I was like, oh, was that the whole song? Like, I guess, you know, but then it was kind of funny. You see the, the Castilian Hidalgo High Lord or whatever coming in with his wig and you turn out, it's that guy's house the whole time. And, you know, Puss, you, how, how dare you, you know, dishonor my house and whatnot. So he's running away causing this whole action scene giving a whole mo- a bunch of money and food to the people and whatnot he eventually uh accidentally awakens this sleeping giant that is somehow like really close to the town somehow <laughs> but like that this is the thing that kind of tells you is like oh okay this is supposed to be like you know I-, I don't know if allegorical is the word but it's like this is a very kids story sort of thing like very here is a very you know rogue superhero uh, hero and he's going to learn a very hard lesson with hubris you know what i'm saying like yeah, it yeah. really really sets it up to feel that way right but it gives a li- just a couple more twists and turns in a way that's like oh this could have just been a simple kid story but they actually like put a little complications in here that made it a modern story that i actually really enjoy you know what i'm saying now i will say the animation as much as i love as vibrant and big as it is like the way that it's animated on like the fours or whatever keeps like jutting to my eye when you see like the really big action scenes are happening and then it's like you can tell they didn't have as much like budget so they wanted to make it look really good but they couldn't like necessarily connect the animation of it happening you know what i'm trying yeah, to say yeah. you can see those moments and like w- a couple of times it works stylistically especially early on when it's like oh they need to make a big flashy moment where he's splaying all over the place like i actually do have that moment of like oh actually feels like a comic book a bit where it's like it's splashy and it's supposed to be a big split out moment but there's parts later at the end where it feels a little bit like 
okay, why did that just happen really quick? That that wasn't really worth it, and that, that just feels jagged, you know what I'm saying? So, like, as much as I do like them being adventurous, like, I can't help but notice that it's just like, ah, I don't think it does quite enough to get my eye over, like, you know what I'm saying, how yeah, yeah. The, the jaggedness of it in those big action-y parts, but I will say, like, it's not most of the movie, so it's not that bad. So we get into the movie proper, where, like, he gets hit by a bell, and, uh... He goes to the town doctor who tells him that, like, you know, he's lost eight of his nine lives. He's only got one left. And, you know, Puss initially is like, you know, I I could never, you know, give up my adventuring ways. But then, of course, you know, El Lobo comes through. This gentleman who's got these two sides, uh, a wolf. And he seems like to come off uh, like he's like a a bounty hunter who's kind of like, oh, yeah, I've seen you. I've been following you around. And I know that you've only got one life left. So, uh maybe run <laughs> and he goes like like puss finds out and then it's like oh wait why does this guy know oh my god uh i my, my adventuring days could legitimately actually be over so you see this fearless hero again like the setup was like oh my god he's this guy who you know you can't you can't get to his ego and then it's like oh wait he finds out he's legitimately only got one life left not as fearless as you thought now that there's actual stakes on the line and so you see he's getting like you know heart palpitations and shit like he's running for his life um from this wolf who's trying to attack him even though you know he was just the the guy who saved the town from the giant right so basically having been shamed into like you know like having the shame of like oh man like i can't face this guy i know i'm running for my life and i know i fear death so like he kind of gives up his life and goes to to this mama luna woman who like yeah. is a cat lady yeah. and has all these cats. I didn't recognize all of the voices in this movie, but it's one of those things where it's just like even if you don't know the voices, they they're do they're such vibrant voices that you're just like I wonder who this is. You know what I mean? Because when I looked around, I I couldn't recognize who that was, but I just really liked her voice. It was just like dang, I was just hoping that it was someone because her voice was just so like you know what I'm saying, vibrant and big. I was like that's gotta be like. Tiffany Haddish or something. Is you know? it, was that the Latifa? Wow, she's credited as Crazy Woman. No, no, no. It's Mama Luna. Oh, Divine Joy Randolph was. Yeah, well, yeah. Actually, this is like I feel like this is listing for like all the Puss in Boots movies, so she might have been in a different one. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, it's Divine Joy Randolph. Yeah, yeah. But I couldn't recognize her from anything other than like I think another Disney. She movie? was in the Holdovers. Divine Joy Randolph. Wait, was she the Cat Lady? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So I don't know who Crazy Woman is, but yeah, Divine Joy Randolph was in The Holdovers, which is wonderful, and everybody should see that also. So after that, he buries his clothes and kind of like, you know, buries Puss in Boots and kind of like gives up his life, grows a cat beard. And it's kind of the just, beard is like is like he grows yeah. like a human looking beard. It is there for a while, <laughs> and it's just like the cats don't grow beards like that. But I guess they also don't typically wear boots and stuff. So, <laughs> so he, he's like get, living his life as like a sad cat, you know. Uh, that, that's just you know a house cat given given up on his on his uh, wild and it, like eating dry, unappetizing kibble out of a trough with yeah. all the other, and the other cats don't talk. It's like it's one yeah. of those things where like. Very often, and I think we saw this in the other Puss in Boots movie, there are other cats that act more like regular cats. <laughs> but Perito, who uh, shows up basically wearing a fake he's like, cat wait, outfit. Is he a chihuahua? He's like a little, yeah, yeah. He's some kind of little dog wearing like a knit cat ear hat. Because he's trying to fool the old lady. And, uh, you know, Perito keeps bothering him, going like, 
hey, you know, who are you? What's your name? And, you know, he's like, my name is Pickles. Because <laughs> that's what she named him. Yeah. And, you know, he's like, you know, taking the name because he's feeling so, you know, insulted. A cat named Pickle. Yeah, that's, oh, Pickle. That's true. One Pickle. Uh, one day, Goldilocks and the three, and the three bears, they, they show up at her, at her house kind of like trying to conscript him to like look for the map to the to the wishing star however like they end up instead seeing like his grave so they think he's dead but then he hears about it and so he's like on his way to find find the shit too right now Brito comes with them and they come across big jack horner played by uh 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 John, John Mulaney. Mulaney, yeah. And I remember at first like kind of being like not liking the design it was like big Jack I mean he, he I was looks, like who the hell is this like He's got he's like huge but out of proportion has like a hair. tiny face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like the I remember at first being like what is this character? Yeah, he, has, he you, has a disturbingly small face. Yeah, but then when you get the backstory and see that like oh that's what they're doing here it's kind of I like, love okay. the, I love the detail of like yeah. his one thumb is permanently stained purple yeah 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 sticking it in the plum pies right right so 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 he's got a magic bag where he's like basically trying to uh he wants to control all magic essentially right and he's a sort of like crime boss hoarder yeah yeah Uh, and uh horner the hoarder yeah and one of the things he comes across which i love is the the good conscience uh cricket yeah yeah you get jiminy cricket (laughs) which sounds sounds, like he sounds yeah which I feel like he said, wait, was Jiminy Cricket in the original Pinocchio? Was that, uh, was that actually played oh, by God. him? I don't know. It couldn't be. No way. <laughs> uh, that doesn't feel exactly the like 1941, his voice. 1941, who are we talking about? Jimmy Stewart. Um, Jimmy Cl- Cricket. Cliff Edwards was Jiminy Cricket in the original Pinocchio movie, but this Jiminy Cricket sounds just like Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, but I mean, Jiminy, clearly they're referencing him with the name, like, yeah, Jiminy, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So, so this is just leading, like, and that's what I like about this movie. This really does feel like that next level Shrek energy. The way this movie plays with like fairy tales and stuff and like does the references and stuff is just like, I actually am really enjoying, like it doesn't feel like a cheap gag, like mm-hmm. like a Trolls movie referencing whatever the fuck, you know? Like it feels like actually, oh, that's actually the, really The smart. references are thought out and something is done with them. It isn't just like, hey, you know this thing. Yeah, and- yeah. And what I really love about the way they use, uh, you know, the Jiminy Cricket character is that he's supposed to be the, I'm your good conscience and I'm telling you to do the right thing. Even though this guy is clearly like very clearly and obviously doing the bad wrong thing. And so it becomes this thing of like, oh, uh, this guy's supposed to be your conscience and he seems to not be helping you at all. And he, and eventually he tries to like break it down his character and be like, oh, let's, let's talk about your family life. Uh, you know, what, what, what happened? What made you this way? And he's like, well, you know, I had two loving parents that gave me everything I wanted and, da, 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 da. and you know, I just kind of wanted more. So anyway. <laughs> It was just like, oh, okay, he's a spoiled brat. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, yeah. I love how this movie, because a, a lot of, especially Disney movies, are grappling with how to make villains. And I feel like this movie did that so well of like the, yes, there are those people who are just greedy assholes who don't can, give a shit. Can I, <laughs> okay, I mean? can I uh, go on a slight tangent slash uh, spoiler, uh, spoiler uh, for like a true crime Wondery podcast? I'm sorry, Wondery. Okay. The, there's the one of these Wondery podcasts called Who is Mordecai, I think or like do you know Mordecai Uh and it's this guy basically it's one of these here's some asshole who scammed a lot of people let's call him out podcasts Mm -hmm. and there's this guy he was pretending his name was Mordecai his name was not Mordecai he was pretending to be Jewish he was not Jewish and he basically was like dating a lot of women scamming them lying to them all this stuff like real piece of shit 
And they confront him near the end, like the podcast people track him down. And he was like crying and sobbing about his terrible childhood and his example of like how his childhood was so traumatic and terrible is he said like he came home and the table was set for dinner, but the cutlery was upside down. Like he literally was like, I was like, what you, I, like it took me like I was sitting there like, what does that mean? It's like, are you fucking? Are me? you like, like what? You got like, to know literally, that's not a bad thing. Like literally, what does that mean? Do you mean like the fork was like on the table, like with the tines pointing down? Is like what does that mean? And he was like acting like the way you'd say like my parents locked me in the basement and fed me to rats. Like, right, right. like and it was like like that. It was that kind of energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I like like how fuck it, you, random guy on a Wondery podcast. Uh, but no, but you know, you know what I mean. Like the way it characterizes this character, because at first I, I kind of felt the sort of villain fatigue of oh, you're gonna have Jack Horner and the three Goldilocks bears. But it had that sort of like big heist movie energy. Yeah, and it gave dynamics to the characters because. The Jack Horner character, he's just a jerk who's irredeemable. Meanwhile, the Jiminy Cricket character is trying to like I think having up. antagonists in addition to your villain is an interesting move. Yeah, because the three bears, like, and Goldilocks. They're not, they're not really bad. They're yeah, just, they're just. They're criminals, but so is Puss in Boots. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. So it becomes this thing of like, okay. And, and as I was watching the movie, I remember having that moment of like, oh, you're just going to have, you know, all these bad people. But then it was like, oh. You're giving these people depth and character because they're family people who maybe they really do care about each other, even though they have their issues. You I know like what I'm the saying? idea. I liked the idea that the bears just kind of adopted Goldilocks. Yeah, like, the, like again, this is what I mean. Like expanding on the universe in an emotionally nuanced way of like because they give you the best. The, the thing about the wishing star is that the journey to the wishing star changes like the map, the world around it by who's holding the map. I was like, that's such a brilliant, like, you know, uh, not only like story thing, but just like an aesthetic, like just makes the movie look beautiful now because now you have an excuse to go from, well, this person's holding the map. So now it's going to get craggy and this person's holding the map. Then it's going to, especially when Perito holds the map. That was my favorite fucking part where Perito holds the map. And then all of a sudden it's like a bunch of blue daisies or something like that. And you think everything's okay. But then the daisies start like fighting them and beating them up. And then it's like, what do we have to do in order to get past these daisies? And he's like, Oh, smell the daisies. It's like, you know, appreciate the daisies and then they'll give you what you want. It's like, oh my God, that was such like a sweet, like showing the quote unquote dumb character, but him having like his own outlook on life. It's like the way we can, you know, get through things is not just by immediately fighting it. Maybe we need to approach it how it is, you know? It's like, that was such a sweet, cool way of giving that character depth. You know what I'm saying? Like that yeah. could have just been the dumb, silly side character, you know? Yeah. So yeah, uh, Perito and Puss come across Kitty Softpaws, his ex, who basically he feels ashamed of because, you know, they kind of do the setup of like, oh, what happened at L, you know, some some serious sounding place. Right, right. <laughs> right. Know, and so it's like, it's, you know, clearly he betrayed her in some way and we don't know until like right, near right. the end. Yeah. And then it turns out like, oh, did, you know, betrayed you for a job, you know, something like that. It's like, no, at the altar. And, you know, it, it cuts to him sort of, like, having that moment of, like, it was the one time I was scared. That's basically, the like, the character arc. Yeah. Like, you know, he has nine lives and he's never scared, except for 
that one time when he was scared, even though like nothing was at well, stake. Well, so like he's not afraid of like yeah, you know right. a giant or a dragon or whatever, but he's scared of commitment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, uh, I really liked the little subversion when we find out yes. that she also left him yes, in the altar. That's what I think is cool because because it is it's like cliche of like the woman standing there in the wedding dress and like wanting to t- get tied down, even if the guy that would have felt a little and, weak for this type and, of movie, right? right? And having that extra twist of subversion where. It's like no, she knew what was what. She knew he wasn't up for it, and so and, she didn't and, bother either. And it twi- yeah, it twisted even further. Where she's just like, so that kind of like adds that extra. Man, I was feeling bad this whole time, but oh, you knew me so well. Wow, like I thought I was making you feel bad, and meanwhile, it was just because you knew me the whole time, and this wasn't like you knew me so well that I didn't even like think about what was going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so the idea that like yeah, they they both had like cold feet at the end of the day you know what i'm saying because it's like they both were having clear communication issues <laughs> you know what i'm saying you know you don't you don't leave each other at the altar without there being things you didn't discuss beforehand yeah you know but at the same time it's, it's like kind of talking about their characters she's like oh i realized who this person was hey maybe he's a little charismatic and a nice guy but like ultimately i think this guy is just all about himself you know and so as the movie goes on, she, I think she has a moment, you know, the moment where the person runs up and she hears the person talking about them, except I kind of like it in this way because it was like a little emotionally satisfying to hear her before we get that reveal, her hearing that he left and admitting that, that he feels so bad about that and her going, Oh, like, you know what I mean? Oh, maybe he's different. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like maybe he's. Maybe he's learned his lesson, like, you know, and then she tries to soften the blow by, oh, oh, hey, guys, oh, oh, look, I just found you, hey, so anyways, let's get out, you know what I mean, like, that was such a sweet moment, and then her revealing it later, you know, to have that real, uh, that real brum-bum thing, and then, oh, my God, I gotta give some fucking props to El Lobo the Wolf. Uh, yeah, he's uh, genuinely when, scary. When he, like, really starts talking his shit, so, like, he goes, like, you know, corre, corre, al tiro, something like that, he says something in Spanish, he- yeah, he's like, oh, run, shit. run, little cat. Yeah, yeah. Corre, like, corre, gatito. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but he, he does this little uh, whistle, like. <whistles> anytime you hear it, you see Puss in Boots, like, hair stand up on end. And it's like, <gasps> it's that sort of, like, like I said, Disney has a real problem with getting you to really be scared, to fear a villain. And with yeah. this movie, I was like. Oh my god! Well, because D- Disney's villains are all just super fun and campy. Which, yeah, exactly. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I love me a Hades, love me an Ursula. But, not but, complaining. But they do have menace to them. Those guys do have menace to them, though. You know, I'm talking about lately. Oh yeah, like, yeah. The late. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I haven't watched like, a lot of the later ones. What is the villain from ones. the past decade that you remember? You know, I, like, yeah. I mean, I literally don't even really remember the villain. The from only Moana. one I can remember is the lamb from Zootopia. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, they're not they, well and it's and it's again it's this like and I don't mean this in a like a right wing comic like oh bridge too sensitive in the woke police or whatever uh, type of, but I feel like they genuinely are too worried about like upsetting anybody in any way that everything becomes completely inoffensive yeah, and it's like flawed. you're trying to market to like the this, four quadrants you're yeah. trying to make sure that not a single four year old cries during the movie yeah, right, you're not right. gonna have an effective movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not saying, like, I'm not saying I'm out here wanting no, four-year-olds to cry, but I'm just saying, like, if you... You gotta challenge your audience to some degree, like, right, you know? Right. And I love when, again, this movie does the subversion of, like, the, 
you know, where you expect it. Oh, he's a guy who's conscripted, but it's the sort of uh, the Coen brothers thing where he's a metaphor for death, you know, even though in the movie narratively he's being hired by someone. But he literally goes like, I am death. And I don't mean rhetorically, metaphorically, emotionally. No, 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 no. I am actually that thing coming for your ass because yeah. I don't like that cats get to have nine lives. Fuck that. I'm coming for your life because I know you didn't appreciate those lives. So here's what we're going to do. Like, I love that the movie is really play. Like, it does more than just do the, you know, the man who's afraid, but then death comes for. Like, I love that it really j- ratchets it up and makes you feel like, that's got a vendetta with this motherfucker. You think you can just avoid me? No, 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 no. I'm going to scare you with that last life. I'm going to make you fear that. Like, you know what this is? This is the Saw guy, but done well. <laughs> you know, I'm going to get you to appreciate life even if it kills you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, and then the whole thing of being like, you know, you're, the, you're this arrogant man who thought you could avoid death. Well, now you're down to your last life. And now what? You know, that's the whole idea. So he flees again. There's a bunch of like ensuing like things where someone's trying to, someone gets the map here and someone else gets the map here. Like it, it's a really like road movie where it's like, you know, I think, I mean, it's the excuse, honestly, for the really cool visuals. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Then at one point, uh, Puss in Boots kind of like has a panic attack and it's just like up against a tree and you see he's just like kind of like <laughs> like he just seems like he's like he's not going to be able to like you know handle this one and then Perito comes up to him he's like what's going on are you okay what's happening and then he's like he doesn't know necessarily what's happening but then he just like sees his friend panicking and he just rests on him and just like breathes with him and just allows him to come yeah, oh, yeah, and, and then like, Perito Yo. gets to prove himself as a therapy dog like yeah. he says like that's his his, th- his thing that he says from the beginning is like I'm going to be a therapy dog and it's sort of played like a joke at first but then it's like no he's actually effective he's actually good at it so that's what i mean it's like the joke character actually gets like purpose like i mean again to take it back to the frozen olaf character what does he do in that movie does he have any real usefulness that's the problem with a lot of these cutesy side characters it feels like disney throws in like two or three of these guys and they do nothing yeah you know what i mean they're just there i feel like it got really bad in pocahontas like what the hell does the raccoon the bird and uh, the dog dude that's three cutesy characters i mean i haven't watched pocahontas since i was a kid so i don't remember but yeah they didn't really do a lot the, the one thing they served a purpose as they was, weren't like, like the, the mice and cinderella that are actually like straight up right stuff yeah literally like... involved in the, the, <laughs> yeah yeah um no no no. but like in that movie the point that they served was just kind of to be the oh dog the dog from the europe from europe and the raccoon from native america oh they're just gonna fight i guess that's just what they're gonna do you know also they were about the same size and shape so it's yeah. like visually appealing and again have them fight <laughs> and again why do you need the hummingbird why is there a third animal there like it doesn't make any sense to you know what i mean colorful and cute and flit around and <laughs> add motion to the screen to keep the yeah, children's exactly. attention span uh Literally, I'm jumping around, buzzing hummingbird to keep people interested. Yeah, there's one point we get to the the uh, Goldie and three bears. They they snag the map, and at one point it replicates kind of their like paradise or whatever. The idea is that it's supposed to be. Because it happened to someone else before. They're, like, realizing that, oh, the map is messing with us, trying to get us to, like, whatever the heck. You know, you know how the, it's the third act drama that's supposed to happen with the character arcs and whatnot. And we find out that Goldie's wish is that she wants to have a real family, like a human family. She's like, hey, you know, I mean, you guys are fine, but, like, you know, we're not supposed to be together, right? So, like, I'm supposed to have a real family. And you see, like, the moment of, like, the three bears are like, oh, well, I mean, we were fussing and fighting, but I thought. 
we thought we were. You know what I mean? It was like that, damn, like, oh, God, this movie's making me feel something right now. Like, mm-hmm. even though they have our problems, I thought we still loved each other, you know? But then they go like, you know what? You know, we're going to help you get your wish. If you don't want us as your family, fine. We're going to help you get that family. It's like that sort of, like, all the families still, like, want to help them. You know, it's like, that, damn, that's, like, fucking love right there, you know? So they, they plan to use Perito as, like, a trap because they kidnap him right when they're able to get the map. And it causes, like, the mountains of uh, ego or something like that. Because so, you see the force, like, split up. And then it looked down and you go, like, oh, no, Perito's been captured by the Godilaka and, and the bears. So they set, like, this big bear trap to try to, like, uh, put the dog in the middle of and try to capture him. Meanwhile, they're kind of, like, uh, arguing and fussing and fighting. And Perito has the moment where he goes like, oh, this is so hilarious. You guys are great. And they're like, you know, what are you laughing at? You da, 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 da. They start like it's all to give. And he goes like, oh, that's great. Let me give, like, let me do my turn. And he like dresses all of yeah. them down. It's <laughs> like, you're like lame. You're this, you're da, 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 da. And you hear all these weeps happening. And he goes like, ha, ha. oh, it's so nice to have a family that you can joke around with. You know, my family, I never really got to have that. But you guys are really lucky. And da, da. Like he just off the fly just kind of like explains why they should appreciate each other and it's just like oh, whoa <laughs> you yeah. know I mean? oh, and then he's able to get away because he does something where he makes them look the other way and then when they turn back he's he's like you've been had or something like that and yeah because they were gonna put like a, a beehive above them and like a fake it, it, no he puts the fake dog there and the in the old the dumb you know younger one goes oh no and hits the, yeah. the, the one and then it I feel the trap like and he's like oh was, we're, we're supposed to be the ones I, who cry I'm not crazier was there like a sideways reference to the Charmin bears in there I think so I feel like they said something oh because he was like saying you got dingleberries and he was like I don't have dingleberries he's like yes and you do and I just like, I feel like it was a very subtle reference to the Charmin Bears. I know, but like, you know, I mean, I guess it's like because it's like they're not going to outright say something because that would be too cheesy and too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like you know, we're all thinking about you know, there are some bears that make sure their asses are clean. All uh, right, right, right. But uh, like, I always think of dingleberries as like testicles. Like, I guess they can be poop. Like no dingleberries. No dingleberries is like little crumb. Oh god, yeah, poop pellets. Like, it's like. Crumbs of poop on but, your butt but remember, hair. Remember in uh, Clark's reasons, like, you guys got any balls down there? About the biggest pair of dingleberries you ever seen, or something like that? I, maybe, but I feel. Oh, like, no way. He says about the biggest pair you ever seen, dingleberry. That's what he I says. Yeah, like, never mind. Never yeah, mind. Yeah, I like, I feel like you dingleberry is referring to testicles as like a much less common yeah, 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 usage. Yeah. Anyway, that's as much as I want to think about dingleberries for the rest of my I, life. Just uh, for my <laughs> own edification, I'm going to dingleberries and testicles. Okay, while you were doing this, <laughs> So while you were Googling dingleberries and testicles on your own computer. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, it is possible. Yeah, yeah. Okay, both. so something that is driving me crazy right now uh-huh. is that while I was watching this a few days ago, I remember watching this end part and thinking, this is so familiar this is like, okay, I just watched something else that felt exactly like this story-wise of like, oh, all these people are coming together trying to compete to get this wish MacGuffin and 
get their wish and there's like a bad guy who's trying to get the wish so he can have it for himself, whatever. And I cannot remember what it was that I had seen recently that I was thinking about. I'm thinking of like every movie I've seen, every TV show. I'm thinking of like books mm. I've read and comics I've read recently. And I cannot remember what the thing is that was making me feel like borderline deja vu mm. with the ending of Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. So if anybody else had borderline mm. deja vu or felt like, oh, this is really familiar. I just watched something. Please let me know, because I, I can't remember at all. It's driving me nuts I'm now. trying to think what it could be. Arr, it's driving me nuts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what that steering It's driving me, Dingleberry. Yeah. <laughs> I just saw a Reddit post that says, Dingleberry should be a word used for testicles and not for poop pellets in your hair. It, like, it doesn't sound like a terribly unpleasant thing. Yeah. Much as testicles are not a terribly unpleasant yeah. thing. Poop pellets are, and it's it's too cute a name for that. Anyway, I don't want oh, to man. think about it. All right, that yeah, anymore. let's get back. So, so the Cave of Souls, yeah. The, <laughs> so there's a Cave of Souls that he kind of like comes across where he sees all of his past lives and how arrogant he's been and how, I, oh my God, this is what hilarious part. Again, just a shout out to Antonio Banderas's incredible, inimitable voice. There's a part where he goes, uh, where he's like making fun of himself. He's like, oh, he's not boots and boots, you heard. He goes by pickles. <laughs> just the way he says pickle. Yeah. <laughs> Had me cracking up. <laughs> Him ripping on himself. Oh my God. It was just so freaking good. And then, of course, the wolf arrives, and that's when he gives the speech where he's like, no, this ain't a metaphor. This is really, really about death, okay? This is really about this business. Now, okay, so I think we're, we're about to have our special moment. We got our special guest. All right. Special uninvited yes. guest just snuck in through the back door. Hey, hey, wait, 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 where are you going? Here, where are you here, going? Child. You're hey, invited. You're invited here. on the podcast. Come back here. All right, child. This is a child. <laughs> Who is we nine- want to get a kid's perspective. All right, this is a nine-year-old whose favorite movie is Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. That's right. So, what do you think about Puss in Boots, The Last Wish? It's my favorite movie. All right, why is it your favorite movie? I just think it's cool. What's your favorite part? Mm, the part with the crystal cave. Yeah? Mm. What's cool about that? Mm, the humanoid wolf who is apparently death. I don't know why it took us so long to realize that, though. <laughs> right. Oh. It seemed like it was pretty obvious, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And who's your favorite character? Mm, the uh, Death. <laughs> the Ooh, death, uh, death? What do you think of Jack Horner? Is he a good villain? Yeah. I think he is actually a pretty... He might be a kind of pretty evil even for a villain, but, but I don't think he... He's actually that good of a villain. He, he's kind of kind of a weak villain. That's kind of why they had El Lobo there, right? To be like, oh, he's the actual intimidating villain now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Any other thoughts you want to share? Mm, no. Okay. Go play your math games. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There we go. Expert opinion. I, I thought that was actually interesting the, to hear him say what he said about, uh, what did he that, just say? That it took Puss a long time to realize yeah. that. Because I was like, okay, as much as it's a kid's movie, it's like, yeah, it is kind of like, all right, we know what this is, right? Like, it is supposed to be that. Because, like, the very first scene where he's there, where it's kind of, I can understand, because he kind of frames it in a way where he sounds like he's saying, I was hired by someone. But then after a while, we're just like, okay, all right, what else could he be? And like I said, even the nine-year-old could figure out what the metaphor was, you know? (laughs) So maybe that could have been a little, uh, you know, uh, better written, but, you know, even the kid could figure it out. But, you know, no worries. Hey, it's a kid's movie. So, I see, that's the thing. I think it's a balance, right, of, like, 
playing with tropes that you understand because of course we're making a kids movie where we're telling like basic stories of good and evil but also trying to do something with like well but we know you know the well-worn tropes so we're not just gonna make kitty softballs the damsel in distress in the third act you know what i'm saying so it's yeah it's always interesting as an adult looking at something that is aimed at kids and and trying to figure out how to judge it because obviously like something being completely entertaining and challenging for adults is not the mark of whether it's a good kids movie or kids book or whatever but you also don't want to think well it doesn't matter quality doesn't matter it doesn't need to be anything interesting because it's just for kids and they don't know better so yeah it's it's there's always a fine line to walk there so puss gets the map at one point like he just has it in his hands and he could have totally just made the wish but then uh kitty softpaws shows up just like you know, basically giving him the business of like, oh yeah, I knew it all along. I thought we were going to share this. Cause they, that's right. They have a bit of an adventure earlier in the movie where it's like, whoa, we're working together. Maybe we can like really trust each other. Maybe this thing can happen. You know, again, maybe you're not the same person that I knew. You know what I'm saying last time? And you could tell because he's literally living a different life now. But then when she sees him about to make the wish, th- and this is what I kind of like though. This, that emotional stake of like, oh, he could do this right now. Like there's nothing actually stopping him. The only thing that's stopping him is the, Oh, wow. I knew you were this person all along. I knew you were this bastard. You know what I'm saying? And so what I like about that emotional moment of it is that he's like, you see that he really is scared. Throughout this movie, you've seen him have the panic attacks. You know what I'm saying? He wants to be the hero that he was before, you know? And so this is a genuine, like, you get the character moment of why this guy is forsaking this person that he said that he was willing to share the wish with in order to you know, not be afraid anymore. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. So, again, like I said, like, this is a genuinely good character beat. And then there's the moment where basically stuff starts happening uh, Bayonetta 3 style, where, like, the edges of the uh, the star map are, like, basically kind of making people start to fade away. So if I guess if you don't make the wish in time or because or, or, or people ripped up the map or something like that, it's causing, like, all of this turmoil and shit to happen. One of the bears starts slipping away, like, falls off of the, the star and kind of, like, starts, like, slipping away. The mama bear catches him and then the daddy bear catches her. And then, you know, the girl gets access to the map and she's like, oh, my God, I can make the wish. It's right here in front of me. And then she looks at her, you know, uh, family looking like they're about to fade away and she, like, jumps up to save them in the nick of time to throw away the map and it's one of those like whoa like these are the differing degrees right like these people that are yeah they may be you know rough and tumble or whatever but they still love each other you know right right yeah, yeah. that's why i say like they're antagonists but they're not really villains like because jack horner is a piece of shit yeah like, yeah he's a piece of shit it's interesting and i like actually having both too because i showing like, the dynamics of like yeah the marvelitis of you know, mm. when your villain is so sympathetic that it's just like, well, why are we mm. on the other guy's side again? Right, like, right. There's a like, hey, we should have villains be complex and sympathetic to the point that you're just making the villain right. Yeah, and yeah. And I feel like this doesn't... And they just nice... don't know how to balance it other than he's right, but then he shot a baby in the face, you know? Right. like yeah. and, the, and this is nice because it's like there are sympathetic antagonists and then there's an antagonist who's just full-on hateable. Yeah, like, because... I'm sorry, that's the world. There are some people who, yeah, you can understand the journey, but they still suck. And then there's other people like, you can understand their journey... Because they're struggling with something, and that's why they're, like, needing to lead a certain type of life. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I feel like having, like, the multiple antagonists is a good... Yeah, it it doesn't make a redundancy in the same way that, like, if you watch Batman 
uh, Batman and Robin in the 90s. What's the difference between Poison Ivy and Bane and Mr. Freeze? It's just, he really wants to kill Batman and she really wants to kill Batman and he really wants to go, you know what I mean? Like, there's no dynamicism really between other than, oh, he's freezing and he, she's warm and, yeah, you know, flowers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I really like. It actually gives you a reason why these different characters have these different motivations and like, oh yeah, this person still has a family that they love. So of course they're not going to give that up versus this Jack Horner character who like doesn't care about anyone. And you see the little guy on his shoulder trying to, you know, prod him into being a better person. You seeing him pushing back and being like, uh, no, I'm not. Stop looking for the better person. It's not there. (laughs) Uh, Eventually Kitty Sawpaws is able to like kick him into his like bag of holding. (laughs) (laughs) It's Uh, it's Mary Poppins's carpet bag. Ah, that's right. So, because he calls it an Annie bag, and it it looks just like Mary Poppins's yeah. bag. So, Death uh, El Lobo shows up, you know, challenges him to a fight. It's an incredible, cool looking scene. But you know, he he says the thing where you know you have the moment of oh, you know, Death is uh, got you on your last legs, and you're not going to be able to fight now. What are you going to do? But then he gives the speech. He's like, I used to live for myself, but now I live. My family, and I genuinely love that moment where, like, the wolf of death basically comes up to him and is like, I can kill you right now. But he's like, No, you're not the same person. Like, I was yeah. supposed to kill an arrogant bastard, and you're actually care about like it's the you know, the like one by character development, right? <laughs> he had he, he had personal growth, and that's yeah. how he, but but I like for a kid's movie, I just I remember I was watching that moment. Like you know, when you watch a mo- moment in a movie, you're like, "How is this going to resolve? What are they genuinely yeah, going to do about this?" Yeah. And the way they resolved it in the, uh, a kid's movie manner of like, "Oh, I can't come after you now. Like you've actually changed. I, I would be a jerk in this movie if I were to do it now. You know what I mean?" But then they still have the like, "Hey, man, but I'm still coming for you, bro. Like, don't act like, don't be too safe now. I'll let you go now because you've learned your lesson. But uh, you know, death comes for us all. You know, so it's that sort of like." Oh, buddy, harrowing thing in the background. So, like, it's a respectable villain character, you know? Like, he never 100% loses his menace, you know what I mean? Yeah. So Now, this is a bit of a thing that I have, like, action fatigue, where it's like, okay, we had the big fight scene with all, like, with all the I, other characters running around, yeah. and then we have Dennis show up, and then no, Jack Warner comes it's up. the same like, thing for me. Like, action fatigue is a great way to put it, because it's, it's like, no matter how well done a fight scene is, at a certain point, it's like, okay, I just want to, I just Like, wanna, are they, yeah, just can they just the get story. something like, to make just, it a win? Like, yeah. El Lobo is the best villain of the movie, but he doesn't really do anything because he's not... He's like, I feel like El Lobo isn't even a villain. He's like the existential threat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Made manifest. Which is way cooler. Like, I feel like Jack Horner is a villain, the Bear family are secondary antagonists, and then El Lobo is the existential looming threat. Yeah, yeah. So, so the the way they personify that, they're really fucking cool. Um, It's like, like I said, this kid's movie is like doing some shit right now, you know? So yeah, uh, but Horner eats the magic snack, he gets out of the bag because he gets huge. Perito like does a thing where, you know, he, he talks to him just long enough to do the, oh, you didn't see that, like, which I think is a little kind of like, all right, you know, a little telegraph. But then the part that I really like is when John Mulaney, he has the bit where he goes like, hey, maybe we should bury the, and reaches in and he goes, hatchet and pulls out like a hatchet and then yeah. like that's just enough time for like kitty softballs to like attack him like right after he did that and then like, r- that's what you get for telegraphing like an asshole and he literally 
he says it, did I telegraph that line? Like, that was the moment where I was like, that, that is hilarious. Because you know these villains always do the, the come on, you wouldn't take that, that extra beat to attack yeah, him. You would just attack him. The long, villain, <laughs> the long villain speech while the hero is tied up has already been, like, lampshaded to death. But that yeah. little moment is still something that... Right, yeah. right. The guy who's got to get one more joke in, like, even though in the moment you would probably just do the thing. Yeah. You know? So I thought that was really freaking funny. They have the resolution. Goldie and uh, the three bears are like, oh, we're all a family. We all love each other, you know. Puss and Kitty decide to get together. Uh, and, oh, yeah. And then, of course, they end with sailing to far, far away in order to visit uh, a few old friends. Yeah, so that, that, was I, so nice. that was like, also, I feel like that was, I'm just shitting on Marvel today, apparently. <laughs> because I'm saying that's setting us up for a sequel, but in a way that feels like exciting and hopeful, but not what? like, oh, great. Now I have to wait for another movie to come out yeah. to find out what happens. Because it's just like, I don't know what's going to happen if they go to far, far away and link back up with Shrek and them. It's not, she it's not like, yeah, I'm yeah. not sitting there on a cliffhanger being like, oh, what was that strange thing about yeah. it? It's just like, oh, cool. They might do a thing with Shrek. That and would be also fun. the reason I like it is like, even if you don't know anything about Shrek, like the reason why I think it works is like, Oh, these like fairy tale creatures going on another adventure to far, far away. Right, like, it's, it can't it, work without the reference. You don't need the lore. Yeah, you yeah, you get what lore. I'm saying. And it's also another nice thing about the Shrek universe being built on these fairy tales and things that everybody knows is that these are things that you probably have heard as a kid like you know through cultural osmosis like right. it doesn't require having read all like fifteen thousand sequels of a particular yeah so line. it's like it, it's one of those things where as i'm watching it it's like wow this is probably issues. the best I, I, way to do this issues for some yeah reason. yeah it's like it doesn't require having having read all like three thousand issues of a particular comics run to be able to know what's going on like you can just kind of like something will will tingle in the back of your memory like yeah, oh, yeah. Right, pinocchio is the thing with the cricket and yeah, and the way it's doing so much more with it, like dancing on top of it with the jokes, it's like even if you don't one hundred percent get it, it's still just so fun anyway that it's just a good time. But it does such a good job of pulling you in. So all all around, it's a good ass fucking movie. Definitely give it a chance. I just said that for a kids movie. I, I just, all in all, it's a really good movie. Okay, <laughs> definitely. Oh wait, bleep that out. Yeah, it's PG. It's a really good. Beep movie because that's what we're doing now right uh so definitely give this one a watch if you haven't already this in boots the last mm. wish put that on that i don't what is it on who dude <laughs> look at you honestly no i'll tell you why i'm falling asleep and it's because other podcast shout out that i think i might have mentioned before is i always listen to the sleep with me podcast mm. which is this guy scoot who just talks and he makes you fall asleep. And I have a Pavlovian response to his voice. It makes me fall asleep. Part of it is every episode he does an Antonio Banderas impression at some point. Mm. So I have a Pavlovian response. It didn't make me fall asleep during Puss in Boots, I think, because the Puss in Boots visual. But just hearing the... You know what it is? Antonio Banderas' voice doesn't make me fall asleep, but hearing somebody do an impression of Antonio Banderas that is makes really me fall specific. asleep. That's when I got sleepy from hearing somebody do an intro. Stop! <laughs> no, I'm going to pass out. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, before I uh, lull my co-host to sleep, this has been the Review of New Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, like I said, if you want to um, make a request, that's ko-fi.com slash rapcritic for movies or new album requests for this year, or go to Patreon.com 
patreon.com slash rap critic if you want to get those episodes early uh all the content that i'm working on music uh podcasts you know what i'm saying rap critic episodes get with it act like you want it and until next time uh i'm dj i'm evan and some kitty once told me my lies were gonna roll me out. I was trying to figure out some way to incorporate. All right, that was, I thought that was a uh, reference. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>